the Cybersecurity and Compliance Podcast with Craig Petronella. Learn about the most current IT security threats in ransomware, phishing, business email compromise, cybercrime tactics, cyber heist schemes, social engineering scams, as well as hints and tips from leading professionals to help you prevent hackers from penetrating your network and dropping ransomware or malware payloads. This podcast will arm you with the best info to defend your network against the latest cyber crimes. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And now, here's your host, Craig Petronella. So welcome to today's podcast. It's myself, Aaron, along with Blake and Dwight. Unfortunately, Craig is unable to join us. Uh, again, he is on vacation this week. Lucky guy. It's so nice right now. I'm in South Carolina. The past three days, it's been in the upper 70s, low 80s with no humidity. And I just want to be outside. It was 40 degrees here today, and it was frigid. I feel really superior to people when my weather is better and really inferior when the weather is colder. So I feel so superior to you guys. I got to feel good about something, right? I think all of our podcast listeners are going to be warm after today's topic. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. I can't wait to talk about this. This is Blake's idea. No, not really. It was your idea. You came up with it. Don't be shy. We love a humble person. We're going to go through some of the biggest misconceptions there are out there regarding cybersecurity. And we'll also drop the link. This is actually from a USA Today post. I'm sure we could have come up with these on our own, but it's also nice to have something to go to. They simplify really well. We have a tendency, at least I do, to overcomplicate things. I never would in my life do such a thing, Blake. It doesn't seem that Dwight does that. So we're grounded a little bit. It's funny you say that because I was thinking that too. It's really great that Dwight's here. He can help ground us and bring us back in when we start on our rambling. When we go off into fairy tale land. Jump down rabbit holes. You can be there with the rope like, here, come on back up, guys. Let's knock them down. Yeah, let's do it. Do you want to read that out? Oh, gosh, big responsibility. I think you can do it, Blake. The first one is that you don't have anything worth protecting. There's so many people that think that. And that nobody cares about your data. Oh, they do. That's why they take it. When it comes to data, I always go back to Edward Snowden. And I remember back in 2013 when all that stuff happened and people were like, Big deal. Who cares? I don't have anything to hide. I don't care that the government is watching us, but it's a little creepy. There's some big brother stuff going on right there. All your data is important and you give that away. That is the digital currency today, especially for companies like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, Snapchat. That is the currency to them. That data is power. Yeah, I think people should understand this. If you don't, time to catch up. Twitter and Snapchat, all these places where it's free to sign up. Well, there's nothing that's free, of course, we know that. They get that and they sell that information to the people that advertise to them. So that basically supports the platform. And all your information goes to the advertisers. And pretty soon you look at your Facebook and starts up popping up. I think I heard somewhere the things that are free that cost the most. I heard that somewhere and it really stuck with me. I know we talked about it, Blake, the Cambridge Analytical. Cambridge Analytica is a data analytics company, and they were using data sets that were provided by Facebook of voters to create campaigns for their political fundies. For example, there was rumor that Trump had used them. There are people that actually went to court and testified about the ways that Facebook did that. Yeah. And Zucks had to answer to the Congress. 
about that because how did Cambridge Analytica get these data points on Facebook users if it wasn't provided by Facebook? That was the huge scandal because people were using this as weapons to create hate, anger, fear, and frustration at the political parties that they chose. It's pretty scary. I was actually talking about that today, ironically, because somebody asked me about it. I just looked it up. The documentary is called The Great Hack. Yeah, that's a good one. You do have data worth protecting is what it boils down to. For sure. Everything that you give away is important and can be monetized. So take it seriously. And actually, if you don't mind, I'm going to read the second one because I like to make this point. Please take it off my shoulders. Yes, I'll unburden you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, such a burden. So the second misconception is I use security software, so I'm fine. Oh, yeah, you're super fine. You're set. You're golden. Nobody's going to mess with you because you have security. Just use a free antivirus and you have nothing to worry about. No, (laughs) that's not true. (laughs) It's like locking your doors, but not setting the alarm. Oh, yeah. Good point. Yeah. Somebody can smash your windows open or somebody can kick your door down. Crawl in through your window. Yes. And apparently there was a group of hackers that had breached servers of huge antivirus providers. I think there was a scandal with Skapersky or however you say that. Russian company. Oh, that sounds convenient right now. You know, we do have our XDR solution. It's amazing software. It's amazing AI. It's really great at protecting you. And I think sometimes people don't take it so seriously because they believe I have an antivirus. I'm fine. I have a firewall. I'm fine. They don't realize, no, you're not fine because these companies are always keeping up. They're not blazing the trails. It's the hackers that are doing the trailblazing. So if you have an antivirus, it doesn't necessarily protect you because it can't protect you because it doesn't know what to protect you against when there's new threats out there. It'd be like locking your doors, but having something like XDR would be like setting your security alarm. What about putting a key under your doormat? That's like leaving a sticky note with your password. Everybody checks the doormats for keys. Or maybe there's a nearby planter, right? You know, under that planter. That's what you're doing. Don't be that guy or girl. Don't be that person. Yeah, it's important to know what your security software can and can't do. And it it can do a lot, but absolutely better than nothing. But it's not going to protect against new threats that we don't know about yet. It's not going to protect you against going to a website. Security software is a layer and it can do so much. If you're going out to these different websites, passing out your information, most security software will catch, you know, some basic phishing stuff, but they're really kind of iffy on a lot of that stuff. There's some more AI stuff, but when something hits your computer, it'll do something to counteract it. But it's all about education. I think now with everything that's out there and people are doing everything digitally now, there's so many people on board and they're doing all these different things as sales, conferencing, all this stuff. But security, I think, front and center now, but it hasn't been for a long time. And so we're playing catch up. Everyone is playing catch up. And that's why we're seeing all this stuff happening with regard to breaches and data gone missing. Yeah. Let's keep the flow going. I like some of the ones that are at the bottom of the list. I feel like those are the gold nuggets that people are listening for. With all these data breaches, I have nothing left to protect. Mm, mistake, mistake. I was looking through my spam folder one day and I got an email and in the email was a password that I had used a long time ago. Yeah, it freaked me out. And of course, you're going to open that when it's like, hey, this is your password in the subject line. 
it was an old password, but besides the point. So I open up the email and they're like, oh, we have your contacts and we have all your emails and all your email exchange. And if you don't send us five Bitcoin, then we're going to send your explicit pictures to your friends and your family. I was like, okay, if I had anything like that, I probably would be worried. So yeah, that was almost a good one. They're sneaky, man. But seriously, people, imagine if somebody got a hold of your, your social security number, I could open a credit card in your name. Seriously. This one's rudimentary. Absolutely. You have to protect your critical stuff, your identity, your physical addresses, email. They usually can't do something serious with just one of all these things. But once they put together two or three, then they can start getting. Ah, that's a good point. Imagine somebody opening a credit card under your name and racking up thirty dollars to $50,000 in debt and you being financially responsible for that. That's life-changing. That may set back your plans to buy a house or your plans to move or your plans to do something with your life. There's solutions, obviously, ways you can protect yourself because like Dwight said, it's all about a layer. They have some pretty affordable solutions for identity protection. You could probably get it through your insurance provider. The best practice is though is to hold on very tightly to your personal information and only disclose it for like a check, 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 check kind of thing. If you're doing something on a site or an asking for specific kinds of information, if you don't feel comfortable with that, then get somebody else who's probably more computer savvy to help you with that. Just take the time because once it's out the door, it's gone. Yeah. I've heard of people who don't even use their personal debit cards online. They go to Walgreens or CVS and they buy a prepaid debit card and they use online shopping for that. Either you guys do that? No. Yeah, that's a, that's a good thing too. You don't want anybody having access to your money except for you all kinds of financial institutions if you do deal online with online banking credit cards whatnot make sure you have your two-factor stuff going on definitely have that because if they need more than one place to authenticate to get you into an account then that's going to shock them off at the head pretty much i don't know if you remember this blake in december somebody i guess stole my credit card information i'd just gotten this new credit card not even a month before they Tried to take out $2,000 or something. One was like a betting place. How would you think I would notice that? <laughs> you know, you just tried to steal $2,000 from me. Like, what is this? You know what I do? I lock my card 24 hours a day. It is permanently locked. And literally right before I'm about to go to checkout, I will turn it on and turn it back off. In the app, a lot of banks can do that. Check with your bank. And sometimes my card will get declined. It'll be embarrassing for a second. I'm like, oops, oh, I, I forgot to unlock it. A lot of times too, when these scammers, they purchase mass amounts of credit card numbers, they're just running through them. So they're trying to buy something on Amazon. And as soon as that card gets declined, what do they do? They delete that number because they've got hundreds more. I don't want to give them a reason to keep my number around. So number four, Dwight, you want to read us number four? Four, phishing scams are becoming more sophisticated as hackers infiltrate companies, CEO personal accounts, and even government agencies. Phishing scams have skyrocketed during the COVID-19 pandemic. Of course, they have. Anytime there's any kind of a major event going on around the world where it's a natural disaster or whatever, scammers always pick up on that stuff, right? They pick up on people's compassion and passion and willingness to help others. And in those times, there's a lot of it. Very realistic looking extortion scams are making the rounds. The subject contains your email address and a password that looks familiar. The scammer says, unless you pay up, they'll release the video of you that you took in your webcam when you visit a porn site. Don't buy it. The scammer got your email address and password from the data breach. If you're still using the combination, it's best to change your password at the very least. 
It's not always as simple as on familiar account reaching out to you with bizarre messages trying to get you to click on a link. Sometimes they use familiar faces against you, which leads to the next minute. Phishing scams are getting a lot more focused. It all depends on how much information they have on you, like your address, if they have access to stuff like your Facebook. So the more information they have on you, the more legitimate of a phishing attack they can put together on you. Sometimes they'll be very generic and looking and go, ah, it's a scam. Where other times, a lot of people will look at it and they'll just dive right into it because it just looks so legitimate. And a lot of people don't know about checking on links. No one's just looking at when you hover over with your mouse, right, to see where this thing is going. For instance, those very common ones are the bank ones. They'll send, oh, you need to contact your bank to do this. Please sign into your bank account. So everything looks legitimate. And you look at it and you go, oh, this link, this is not going to charge. Well, this is going off to some number with a bunch of characters so we can always check that. So there's ways to check ourselves in these situations, but they are getting very more targeted, a lot more complex and a lot more legitimate looking. And that's one thing I've always wondered about, especially now seeing you get good smishing text and it's like, Single girl, they spell single wrong. And you're like, you really couldn't just have somebody look that over real quick. <laughs> Spend five minutes editing this or meet somebody that you can speak English and probably do a lot better. Well, that's the thing. You're scamming on such a large scale. If this scam doesn't work, they already have 10 more in their back pocket. Why not be as efficient as possible? If you're going to try to scam people, you're going to get a lot more people. I don't know. I would think that the same person that's looking at the grammar of the scam would be the person that doesn't click on it. Or is it going to be their target? Maybe they're using it as a way to weed out people. Sure. Yeah, that might catch on. Could be, yeah. It's also what he was reading. It sounds exactly what happened to you. Verbatim. Yeah. <laughs> so number five, this is another big one, I think. My friends on social media won't hurt me. Oh, but they do. My Facebook got hacked and it sent out inappropriate messages to hundreds of people. And I was watching it also happen in real time. It was really crazy. And then it took me a while to get everything situated. They will hack your friend's account. And then when they hack that, then they will send out a link or something using your account and try to get people to click on it or give them information. Or they sent out these inappropriate messages. If you want to see me, click on this link. Come on. I actually had a lot of people in front of me. Which I don't blame them, you know, it's like, what is wrong with this girl? But I guess they didn't realize that I got hacked. I thought it was obvious, but. The biggest one I remember is the Facebook one. Send me money, I'm in trouble. If you take away anything from this, if any of your friends on any of your social media send you a message that is just completely out of the ordinary, you should, first of all, maybe be concerned about their mental health, (laughs) but also don't click on anything that they send you. Message them, send them a text to a phone number. That's what I do. I'll text my friend and be like, I think you got hacked. But don't click on anything, especially if they're acting weird. If you haven't talked to that person in three years and then all of a sudden they send you a message saying, hey, look at my nudes, click here. (laughs) If you haven't seen them in 10 years and they're a high school acquaintance and all of a sudden they're trying to get super friendly. There's that other one that I get a lot from my friends have been hacked. Is this really you in the video? Oh, man, this looks embarrassing. Anything that's trying to get a strong emotional response out of you is likely to be a hack. My hidden inbox is full of Filipino or Asian women that are like, hey, beautiful. Hey, sexy. You want to be friends? And I'm like, how do you even find me? I am just a normal guy and I'm not going to send you money. So don't try. Don't even try it. Number six, hackers are mysterious and scary figures. 
Ooh, yeah. It talks here about stock images of hooded people hunched over computers with Guy Fox masks and, and stuff like that. They're coming for me. <laughs> that is true. They're normal people. The 5th of November, always to remember. Whatever they said in that movie, you know what I'm talking about. I haven't actually seen it. Oh, you have to see it. But no, no. So in one of our podcasts, it was super interesting. And we get a lot of calls from people that are in frantic mode, like, hey, my Facebook was hacked. And I think they're controlling my phone and they're controlling my Google Nest, my thermostat, and they're making it hot in my house. And they're turning my TV on. And hacking is more than gaining access to your systems or your data. There's a whole psychological side of hacking that nobody really talks about. Everybody knows about Jeffrey Epstein or some of these people that are grooming their prey. It's the same thing. There is a psychological aspect to it. And the person that is likely hacking you wants to, if they have contact with you or some form of method to reach you, there is a psychological side and they want you to feel helpless and they want you to feel scared. And and that all goes back to them having an advantage over you, right? When I think about a hacker, I think about someone that, first of all, either wants to do you harm in some way, like I said, it might involve personal harm or not personal harm as in physical, but in your immediate circle of influence or whatever with your job, your family, and then there's usually some purpose for it. So the purpose typically is a financial purpose to gain some money to extract cash from some financial revenue from a person and or persons. I certainly know with all the inflation that's going around, it's not in my budget to pay hackers. I'm sure a lot of people out there feel the same. A person's computer is to gain unauthorized access to data or cut through. So basically, you hack, you're getting through all the security levels, whatever. So somebody breaches or gets into, I don't know, let's look at some power grid or whatever. What are going to get in there and do that to disrupt the power? So there's usually a bad, hackers are usually dangerous. They're to be taken seriously. They get in, they kind of dis, they can disrupt network traffic across the internet. They can start denial of service attacks against the major suppliers, vendors. And of course, they were doing that. I think they were blaming it on the Russians or Eastern Europe for a lot of the logistics, transports, and courier systems that were getting attacked. FedEx, I think, and I think there's a couple other ones. And so trying to hit the logistics chain, which is very critical to every country's ability to function. I would say 98% of hackers' efforts are towards financial damage or some kind of disruption where it actually hurts or harms an individual organization. It could be a country, it could be a state, a town, it could be a school, it could be a bank, it could be a hospital. Like I know a lot of hospitals that have been hit by ransomware and then hackers get in and none of that. So that's ransomware, that's one thing. Then hackers can get in as well and gather all kinds of private information. So the hackers put all this stuff together. They launch these bots internally once they've been hacked or once they, their ransomware, their malware is taking effect in the network. They gather up all the private data and send it away. And then they sell it. Or they'll offer to say, well, like a ransomware case, they'll say, well, we'll give it all back to you for $10 million. I've known the banks and a couple of hospitals around here and got jacked for millions of dollars. It's probably sad to say that they're likely easy targets. They're easy targets that have money. Why wouldn't they go for that? The cybersecurity hygiene is notoriously lax. You know, think of an MRI machine, right? You might have this old software on it and you're afraid to upgrade it or maybe not even upgrade, but whenever you get like patches or whatever, these updates, people just don't always update it because it has the potential of making it not work. And they're not cybersecurity experts. A lot of people are in that industry to help people. They just want to do their job and they don't want to have to worry about that kind of stuff. 
And the hackers know that. So they use that against them. There's literally somebody that died. I think it was in Germany, but it was a hospital patient died because of a hacker or because of an attack. They know these things. And so, of course, they're going to go after easy targets with money. And not only do they have money, but they have to have that equipment working or people could literally die. Think about all the data the hospitals have too. Social security numbers, medical records. You're in there. You are in there. And that's another thing too, talking about common misconceptions. I'm going to throw my own out, out there. Maybe it's not a misconception, but something that I think people don't realize that aren't in the industry is just how important dwell time is. If you've got a hacker in there for months versus a day, think about how much more information that they're going to get just sitting there watching and observing. Response is critical. Everybody's seen the first 48, hopefully. The first 48 is the highest likelihood to capture a criminal or somebody that's missing. That's your window. All the evidence is fresh and you need to be on it. So yeah, response time is important. People need to realize when something's missing or something's been hacked or something's been compromised, you have a very short window of time. Not only that too, but in regulated spaces and um, different legal obligations and software that you may sign up for or that you utilize in your business. If there's been a breach of your data, you have to let your vendors know. And not only that too, but you have a responsibility to the customers that you serve to let them know. And a lot of regulated spaces, there is a window where if you've been hacked or you have any of your data that's been breached, you have to send out an alert or a notice to your customers within a certain period of time. Especially healthcare, government agencies, they look at it and think about it. Okay. So all these agencies where they have typically healthcare on here, they have a lot of resources to do stuff. So there's a lot of financial resources. You see their IT departments are pretty well staffed. Really, you know what it goes to show me? It's basically uh, human error or human negligence internally. That a lot of this stuff happens through because a lot of security stuff is just best practices, right? If you follow best practices with your operating systems, your network, your transfer of data, using complex passwords, not leaving sticky notes in certain places, all these different things, you narrow the hole where people can breach your network to a little tiny pinhole or less. A lot of times it's just negligence and people are lazy. When stuff like this happens, I think, I don't know, but um, I'm sure a lot of people probably get fired. There could be people that end up going to jail because if you're in healthcare and you don't do your due diligence and somebody's information gets compromised or whatnot because of your lack of performing your duties, I'm not a criminal lawyer or anything, but I would think that there's probably some area there that they could probably ping you criminal. There is a vegetable that is really popular in cybersecurity. Maybe you guys can guess, but onions, layers, right? So onions have layers and layers and layers. And, and then you finally get to the core of the onion. I don't know what it's called, but, but yeah, you finally get to the core of the onion and every single layer, you cry. You cry, you cry. Hackers, some of them are persistent. If you have data that they know is worth being persistent for, but the average Joe, me, or people that I associate with, they're not going to go through that onion to get my data because I have nothing. And that's another important thing, I think, when Dwight brought up about people being lazy, but also hackers are lazy. Hackers are lazy. They might be malicious and they might have no shame, but they're also lazy and they want to be efficient. I think that's important to understand is that if you do have at least some layers up, you're less likely to get hacked. That doesn't mean you're for sure not hackable necessarily. 
I was just going to simply say, don't be a low hanging fruit, be a, an onion vegetable. Be a root vegetable. Just do these simple best practices. And again, you might be compromised, but it's a lot less likely to be compromised. Best practices start and then action precautions that need to be taken based upon your field of work or government. So certain departments and agencies need extra work done, certain ISO standards, uh, NIST stuff, whatever the case may be, right? So, but just basic best practices as far as IT hygiene goes, will keep 95% of the garbage out. Dwight, do you want to read number seven? Number seven, I only go to mainstream sites, so I don't need security <laughs> software. Now, there, take that. You need security software no matter where you go. Remember what I said earlier about how social media apps sell your data to make their money. The more cookies you have in your browser, the more every step is being followed. And multiple sites have a detailed profile of you that increases your chances of getting your data breached. Since all companies are vulnerable to a data breach, security software keeps you safe. It's like two-factor authentication, a necessary step towards protecting your privacy. You definitely mentioned that one earlier, and that's a huge one. Huge. That's something that we don't think about. I try and go in every single day. I have software on my Apple computer where it cleans everything. It cleans my cookies. It cleans my browsing history, yada, 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 just to, to make my computer more optimized. And at the beginning of every day, I run it. And at the end of every day, I run it before I shut it. So that's something that most people don't do. Most people don't clean out their cookies and their web history. And what do you use if you don't mind telling us to do that? It's called Clean My Mac. I've been using it for a while and it's pretty solid, pretty affordable. I've been using it for a long time. There's other solutions out there. I think one is a CC cleaner for computers. Yeah, something like that. Most people don't think about. True. Aaron, back to you. Number eight. On the spot. I use complex passwords. So, oh gosh. Passwords are so complicated or not complicated, but they're so important. They're just so important. Even if you found a good complex password, I used to do this. I'm like, nobody will ever guess this, right? So of course I reuse my passwords, but then I learned why that's not a good idea. And I kind of liken it to, it would be like handing out your keys, making copies of your keys and just leaving them around the city. If you reuse your passwords, even if it's a complex password, you're really asking for it. I saw this one, I'm in this little IT meme page on Facebook and me and Jonathan love to laugh at those, but there was this one video and it was posted up on a public notice board somewhere and it said free Wi-Fi. And then at the bottom, it had a little area where you'd rip off Wi-Fi password. It had a little arrow that said, hey, take the Wi-Fi password. And then somebody would go to pull the password and then an endless roll of numbers, letters, characters. It was maybe 30 or 40 feet. That would come out. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is so accurate. It needs to be accurate. But no, this person crossing the street and the paper was still rolling. There's such a misinformation about what is a complex password. Of course, like everybody's like, oh, numbers, characters, letters, an uppercase letter, a bunch of lowercase. Don't reuse passwords either. Even if you are using complex passwords, it's still not enough to keep you safe. And you can't leave them hanging around either. Even I'm in text files here and there or even sticky notes or whatever, if someone can pick it up and take it and go with it, then it doesn't matter if it's 23 characters long. Yes. Sticky notes are not password managers. <laughs> they are not. Not anyways. <laughs> Get this through your head. Do yourself a favor. Make sure your passwords are either in a password manager like LastPass. Gatekeeper. Uh, yeah, Gatekeeper. 
something nice and secure, you feel it's for feel a certain level of but if you just like you said, if you're just casual with the whole thing, oh I'm just gonna write my password here and just save it here on my desktop and it says call and it's called password file. Yeah. Password.txt. It's a shame to say whenever I do an on-site and we have customers that have been with us for years, years, I have to say it because people need to know. And I'll go in and they've done all of our security awareness training. They are up to speed. They've passed. They've got their certifications and security awareness and yada, yada, the latest cybersecurity news and things they need to pay attention for. And then I go into their office and what do I see? A sticky note on their monitor with their password. Do you just want to cry? And then you go over and look at them and wink at them, right? No, I do what I'm supposed to do. I, I take it and I rip it up and put it in the shredder. Yeah. They know exactly what they're doing. And we talk about this. We preach this. You can't do that in regulated spaces too. You need to stop that. Stop with that nonsense. Yeah. I'm sure they're not the only one. They're just the only one that I know about. And that's probably the sad part. You need to stop with that. So let's do number nine. I know a fake voice when I hear one. I'm going to take over real quick. When we did our spoofing, right? And you did this too, Blake, when we called the employees at the financial institution. Actually, I didn't even call. You made the calls. You and BJ made the calls. And you actually talked somebody into clicking on a download button, right? Yeah, I did. They actually have really good training. Some locations better than others. Some employees better than others as well. So if you're in a business with even just 10 employees, much less like 500 employees, you're going to be able to trick somebody. You don't know if a voice is fake. Like, especially Blake talking to his mic. You're not going to say no to that voice. Come on, let's be real. It only takes one person to compromise your whole business. Absolutely. But no, seriously, imagine the 10 or 15 years that you spend growing your business. It only takes one hack to take you down. Yeah, what's that statistic? How many? I think it's something like 95% of businesses are hit with a successful ransomware attack. Small businesses and the average cost of remediation for that small business is around $3.6 million. $3.6 million. And people complain about the price of cybersecurity, especially if it's not free. And what is it? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. It's so true in this too. And people are like, it's not going to happen to me. They're not going to go after a small business. Yes, they are, because they know that you think that way. <laughs> so You're the low-hanging fruit. You're not the vegetable. It's sad. I hate more than anybody to say I told you so. We've put together, we've responded to RFPs, requests for pricing, and we've accurately responded to them and given them a perfect solution. And then they go with another vendor. And that's fine. That's fine. And then later, years later, this has happened on more than one occasion. They come back to us. And say like, oh, I've either outgrown that IT provider or there was an incident when they weren't able to respond to that incident. And then we're at ground zero with them. And it's, it's hard and it's frustrating. And I never say, I told you so, of course, that's the worst thing. It's so hard for us to pick up the pieces. It really is. You are not going to build a house without a foundation. Most people, they just build the house and they decorate it and yada yada and furnish it and make it look beautiful. And that's your business, right? There's no foundation there, which needs to be cybersecurity. Dwight, if you want to do number 10. Number 10 and the finale. I will know when something bad gets in my device or computer. No, you won't. Yeah. So anyway, it's on the list. So cyber criminals work is stealth. When they're doing deeds, there's no red flag that pops up. 
have intricate ways of infiltrating your data. There would even be Trojan horses in the form of viruses looking, lurking in your code right now. Now that you're aware of the 10 most common cybersecurity myths, you're better equipped to recognize misinformation spread by hackers wanting to keep you vulnerable. Remember, your data is worth a lot to cyber criminals, so take steps to protect it. Make sure all your gadgets are up to date with all security patches needed to fend off online attacks. Make use of robust security software, password managers, and two-factor authentication. Most of all, follow news on recent breaches and hacking trends to keep your security tools reliable and timely. And an end note, you won't know necessarily that something's hit you that's bad. Sometimes you may, but you know, your, your things can stop popping up all over the place. But yes, that's using malware. But when it comes to hacking and, and stuff like basically your whole device will get encrypted, and all of a sudden you can't do anything, you can't log in, you can't do nothing, or and or all of a sudden you look at your bank account and there's no money left. Yep. And that goes back to with the dwell time, right? The response time. Yeah. How long is that person, that criminal, going to be in your computer just collecting all the free data? Yeah, there's so much that can be said about this, but I'm trying to think of an analogy here. But if somebody's stealing money from somebody's wallet and they're taking $20, let's just say they're taking $20 a day or $20 a week or something, and that person overlooks it. One day, that person is not going to go in there and take everything, right? Because they just burned their scam to the ground. Dishonesty. I guess that's the right word to put it. They're, They're burning their scam to the ground. What's more profitable? To take $20 a day or $20 a week or whatever, or to take $100 one time, what's more profitable? How are you really going to know when somebody gets into your device? Unless you have XDR. I know. And we've done some testing and stuff with the internal IT and some sandbox computers and whatnot. And sometimes you don't notice it. Other times you do. It depends what's there. And you know, what they're accessing, it can slow your computer down a lot. If they're transferring, if there's a lot of data transfer going on back and forth. Like I said, it all depends on what type of activities are happening on your system. But basically, people that are stealing your financial information that want your information to gain a financial gain, they're very fine-tuned organizations. They're usually not just a single person. If it is, he's bought something from some other reliable group, and they have a well-renowned or a well-oiled machine for going into computers once they've gotten in through some kind of a security breach or whatever, and they go in and they're quick. They're usually pretty quick. They'll check something. And they target specifically usually to like banks, credit card companies, health institutions, places like that, or places where they can gather information at a time and or a lot of financial sources at a time. It's not always a pop-up from Windows technical support. (laughs) And then conveniently, when you call them, they have a super heavy accent and they're saying, oh my gosh, your system has been breached. Let us fix that. Okay. Run this software on your computer and then go buy a bunch of gift cards. What's sad is it still works. Here, my relatives doing it. Oh yeah, I got someone on to help with my computer the other day. Said, what do you mean you got someone on to help with your computer? Oh yeah. So something popped up on my computer said that wasn't up to date. So uh, this person jumped on remotely and helped me update it. Microsoft doesn't have time to hop into your computer and fix it. I don't know. I've never heard of that. That's not the way to do things. That right is protocol, right? These companies just don't do things that way. That's like your bank is not going to send you a request to update your online account information through an email. You know, it's just practices and protocols that are just not. And some people are just dumb. I, I don't mean dumb as in a person, but they're dumb as to what's going on around them and they don't consider it or take it seriously and or they're just indifferent. Is that the word? But then again, usually what happens to them, those type of individuals or organizations is they get burned bad. Yeah. And a lot of people aren't tech savvy. 
they didn't grow up in technology like I did or you guys. Oh, no, I am not tech savvy. I didn't learn about this stuff until I started writing about it. I feel like sometimes I have the perspective of a lot of our customers because I was that person. So I get it. You just don't think about that kind of stuff. Why would they want to do that or whatever? I told you guys the story about how I probably got a virus on my ex-boyfriend's computer (laughs) because I just didn't know. He's like, you probably, and I'm like, no, I didn't. But thinking back on it now, yeah, I probably did. (laughs) I just did not know it. Aaron was clicking on those one of those things that was like 10 things you don't know about these celebrities or or, you won't believe what happened to these five celebrities. I I literally scrolled down to the bottom of the website and I see some of them as like, she was a legendary actress. Today she works at nine to five. (laughs) And it's like, clickbait. who is it? Here's one. How would you react if Georgia got hacked? This game simulates geopolitical war. What would happen if another country invaded Georgia? And then on the map, it has a picture of France. (laughs) So I think I'm good. Once these hackers can get their stuff together, man, we're all in trouble. Here's another good one. Look at this celebrity before and after their weight loss. And then there's no pictures. It's just a blank one. So they want you to click on it and see who the celebrity was. Your whole computer blows up. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it'll just explode. And the only thing that'll be left is the keyboard. But seriously, I think we definitely have a long way to go. Yeah. As humans, we're all imperfect creatures. And there's nothing wrong if you're doing any of these things. You just need to recognize it and change it. Before it's too late. Yeah. We're here to help. We're not making fun of you. We genuinely care. I relate to you because I get it. Totally. We genuinely care. And the more layers, the more impenetrable, I guess. Nobody's unhackable entirely, of course, but hackers, they just want to go for the low-hanging fruit. They don't want to spend hours and hours trying to get through 10, 15 walls of defense. There are some that do, and they're probably targeted and financed by an organization that's very deep pockets. And of course, that's their job. But for people that are just out there on their own or small little groups or whatever the case may be, and they just have a list. Yeah, you said people are lazy, the path of least resistance. So big line here. Well, I'm going to spend an hour and a half or two hours trying to get in this computer when I can go through all these and probably get in and have everything done in five minutes or less, right? So I realized too over the years is that honestly, if you think about it, I feel like efficiency and laziness kind of go hand in hand. (laughs) You try to increase your efficiency so that you can be more lazy or so that you can get more stuff done and get things automated. And I'm sure they're just trying to be as efficient as possible when it comes to getting your data because big data is big. It really is new currency. Like who needs Bitcoin? Let's get let's get data. (laughs) Everybody wants an easy paycheck and nobody wants to work for it. That goes back to human condition. If I could sit on the beach and live a life of leisure, that'd be great. And I wouldn't have to do anything for it. That'd be even greater. But yeah, everybody wants the easy paycheck. Are they wrong? I don't think there's anybody out there that wants to work crazy hard for their money if you don't have to. That's right. So we should probably leave it off on that. So our next topic we're going to talk about next, it's going to be similar to this, but instead of talking about misconceptions, we're going to go the opposite way. We're going to talk about some of the data and statistics that we found that is just completely eye-opening and that we think is really important for people to know. So actually, Blake, do you want to give maybe an example, putting you on the spot now? Let's see here. So identity theft is up 42% in 2020 
6.95 new phishing and scam pages were created in one year. Um, and 25.6% of all web traffic was made up of malicious bots. 25.6%. And ransomware attacks grew by 40% just during COVID which as if we don't have COVID enough to worry about. And the, the huge ones, the hugest sectors are finance and insurance and then manufacturing and energy and then retail and then professional services. But 23% of the hacks make up financial service providers. Yes. Oh, and this one's pretty important too. So we're going a little beyond a teaser here, but IBM says that your cybersecurity budget should be at least nine to 14% of your overall IT budget. Okay, that makes sense. So the millions of dollars you're spending on computers, set some aside. Really good point. That's something I learned about with CMMC is that they want you to set aside an amount. They want you to write down the amount to show we are taking this seriously. You're going to spend all this money on gadgets and devices, but you're not going to protect it? Mm -hmm. You might have your priorities a little askew there. Here's another one that I have to say. It's just going to explode out of me if I don't say it. But there's going to be an estimated 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs by the end of 2025. There is a shortage of good guys that are protecting people like you. There's a shortage and hackers know that. There's not a lot that I regret or I try not to regret, but Sometimes I think if I had to do it all over again, I might would go into IT and cybersecurity because it's such a underserved. It's never too late. But I already have my master's. I'm good for now. I think Judge Judy became a judge at like age 50. So you're good. We're going to save the rest of this for next week because there's some good stuff. Good, good, good stuff. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, all right. Well, yeah, good, good talk. This was a good one. Fun one. Have a great rest of your day, people. All right. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Cybersecurity and Compliance Podcast with Craig Petronella. For other episodes and more information, visit PetronellaTech.com. Also visit our other websites, ComplianceArmor.com and BlockchainSecurity.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Thanks for listening. And stay secure.